0: All FBI agent Gracie Hart wanted was a little respect, but what she's getting is a partner.
1: You have to like me.
0: This spring.
1: Don't see why I couldn't be Tina. You don't see that. Miss Congeniality 2. Armed and fabulous. (laughs) And welcome to Unloved Sequels, the podcast that brings you a blow by blow critique of Hollywood's worst rated sequels. You know, the ones that some people think should never have been made. We're your hosts, Michael. Say hello. Hello. And I'm Claire. In this episode, we're heading to Vegas to rescue Miss United States from some fairly hapless kidnappers, but not before tackling Dolly Parton's the ground and beating Seven Shades of Shit out of Regis Philbin. It could only have happened in the mid noughties. Michael, what's the movie?
0: Beloved FBI agent Gracie Hart is back with more makeup tips than self defense moves, with a plot so camp it makes a birdcage look like the Shawshank Redemption. This is Miss Congeniality 2, armed and fabulous. Yay. <laughs>
1: yay. <laughs> Once more, with oh. feeling
0: yay. Yay. Doing jazz hands and everything. But do you know, Claire, do you want to hear something quite ironic? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've realized, but this episode marks our one-year anniversary that we started this podcast a year ago. With Speed Two,
1: Speed Two, so it's Sandy B. <laughs> here we are, back again. She's I only we- made two sequels, and we've covered them both now. Exactly. I knew our anniversary was coming. Oh, happy podiversary!
0: The podiversary, because this comes out. I think it's the year since we released Speed Two. So, I think you're right. I yeah, haven't looked it up, but I, yeah, it was June. Early, June,
1: early June 22 we we did Speed 2 and now it's early June 23. So, And we're here <gasps> back with
0: Miss Bollock. Bollock, Bollock. Miss Bollock? <laughs> <laughs> but enough about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's oh, get happy this. Happy Podiversary,
1: uh... Michael. Happy Potterversary, Claire.
0: Miss Congeniality Two, Armed and Fabulous, opened on March twenty fourth, two thousand and five. It went on to gross a hundred and one point three million against a budget of forty five million. Adjusted for inflation, that's about one hundred and fifty seven point five million today. The budget? No, the taking. or the box office. The box. Oh,
1: office. Office. oh yeah, I suppose it wasn't that long ago, was it? I was like, that's no. hardly any different. But it was only like Where's
0: fifty million been, more. Years ago? Half yeah. more. Uh, you know, And for a comedy today, if a comedy today made 157 million, that'd be really good because most comedies are made for streaming purposes now. You hardly ever see them. Yes. But then big... they
1: don't have 50 million spent on them.
0: This is true. I don't know. That one for uh, Amazon Shotgun Wedding with Jennifer Lopez, that didn't look cheap. Wasn't a good movie. Oh, I
1: still haven't watched it. It's on oh, my it's list to watch, so but you. I still haven't watched it yet.
0: But compare that to the original movie. So the original movie took 212 million. Against a budget mm. of forty-five million, so it lost a right. hundred million for a sequel. They didn't increase the budget, yeah. but I think they spent the budget on location, location, location instead of cast, yes. cast, cast with it. So they pulled back <laughs> yes. the Michael Caine out of this and Benjamin. They spent Bratt. their Michael
1: Caine money on Vegas.
0: Yes, that's is what, what think, you're saying.
1: Basically, <laughs> the Michael Caine and Benjamin Bratt money they spent in Vegas.
0: It did. It did. Um, It ended at number 52 of the 2005 box office. Oh, that's quite low. No, no, no. The world box Ooh. office. The top five crazy movies of the 2005 is quite a punchy list, Claire. At number five, we have King Kong with Jack Black. And then we have Tom Cruise's War of the Worlds at number four. The Lion, uh-huh. the Witch and the Wardrobe at number three. Star uh-huh. Wars Revenge of the Sith at number two. And Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire at number one. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm not an original movie amongst them.
0: Nah. So, you know, I don't think anything that year had anything compared to The Goblet of Fire because that was that weird period of time where the Harry Potter books caught up with the movies. Well, that was when it
1: exploded, wasn't it? Because the movies had started to come out and the books were still coming out.
0: Yeah, it was that weird So everyone
1: was just obsessed with Harry Potter. Life has moved on. Has it really, though? Some Summer, of life has
0: moved on. <laughs> uh, Miss Congeniality 2 sits at 445 at the all-time sequel box office, just behind Rugrats in Paris.
1: Oh, that's got
0: a sting. <laughs> <laughs> that won't
1: have it. had a $50 million budget.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: and that's an animation. They're expensive.
0: Yeah, and that's after Rugrats have probably been off the air for a few years as well. Wow. So, uh, Rotten Tomato* scores? currently sits at 15% critics and 42% audience. Mm-hmm. Compared to the original Rotten Tomato score, that is 41% critics and 69% audience. So there isn't much of a variant there, if you think about it's it. There's
1: not. I mean, those the scores for the original are lower than I was expecting them to be yeah. when I looked them up. The, the scores for this one are pretty much what I was expecting them to be, to be fair. But yeah. I... I'd always assumed that the first one was much more popular than maybe it actually is. Maybe it's just popular with us. Sandra
0: Bullock was probably a, a really good point in her career when she did the original. I don't know. She's, she's like American Sweetheart. Everybody seems to really like her. I don't ever hear anybody go, oh my God, Sandra Bullock's horrible. She's a terrible actress. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah.
1: By all accounts, totally. she's brilliant to work with. She's very good at what she does. Yeah. Um, people do seem to enjoy working with her.
0: And she's not kind of like she doesn't she doesn't really appear in the gossip magazines and stuff or kind of like give into yeah. social media and stuff. So I think that she that was just a, the first movie was just a sweet point in her career. You know, I always thought there was a break between like she semi retired and came back with Miss Ingenuity too. But looking at her filmography, I you know it looked like she was constantly working to me. What was quite interesting.
1: Yeah, I think I thought she did take a little break when she had her kid. Hmm. But I can't remember when that was. I I think it might have been after Miss Congeniality, too. Yeah. But I feel like she did take a short motherhood break, and then came back. But I don't think she took a a long like years yeah. and years and years. I think it was yeah, just yeah. like a year or two. Yeah. Which you know, if you're Sandra Bullock, you're in a position to do that. And I think she may well have still been producing movies in that time. Mm. I think. Oh, um, I think. But not so, actually acting in them.
0: But I think because Hollywood was a much smaller place in the early noughties. I think if an actor didn't make a movie for two years, people are like, oh, she's she's not working anymore. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. Now people it's quite common for actors not to do that. But you can't like see them on social media and stuff. So you just think they're actors. You're back Yeah. There like, there's there's other stuff. ways to keep the profile up. Yeah, exactly. So Claire, do you have yes. any behind the scenes stuff for us? Well, I do. Um
1: You'll be delighted to hear, though, after the last few episodes of complaining how long it takes me to go through production history of these movies that we cover. This one I'm going to be quite brief because actually there's there's very little information available on this movie. It was weird. I tried to to do some digging around and it's like the Internet has just completely buried this movie from existence. So is that
0: because the information wasn't put out there in the first place or was it there's no demand for it? So they've never really covered it.
1: Well, it could be either because it like we we're in what 2005. So the internet was a thing, but yeah. maybe there weren't as many nerdy people like us on the internet obsessing about every movie they watch and jumping onto Reddit to talk about it and mm. dissecting every aspect of it. And so, yes, it could just be that the people didn't consume that kind of information. And why would anyone go back now to do that about a movie that's? nearly 20 years old and people aren't really that fond of and aren't re-watching so much so yeah. that could be why probably a combination of the two but in terms of the cast and creative team we've got a few returners for this movie from the original we've got Sandra Bullock back as Gracie Hart we've got William Woo-hoo! Shatner back as Stan Fields we've got lovely Ernie Hudson back as FBI assistant director Harry McDonald
0: who have more screen time in these screen time on these two movies than he has in any of the Ghostbusters films <laughs>
1: I know, I know. I did think that. I did think that, bless him. Um, And we've got Heather Burns back as Cheryl Frazier, Miss Long Island, uh, Miss USA, I suppose. Miss United States, they call her in the movie, don't don't they? Miss United States in the second movie. Obviously, the rest of the cast is all new. In terms of key players, we've got Regina King in as Sam Fuller. We've got Enrique Murciano in as jeff foreman we've got Diedrich bader as joel myers and a uh, special mention to eileen brennan because i'm never gonna talk about a movie she's in without mentioning her name love eileen brennan she awesome. is playing uh william shatner's mum despite being a year younger than william shatner god love her but you know if you've got an opportunity to put eileen brennan in your movie you're gonna put eileen brennan in your movie i'm sad so, that we can no longer put eileen brennan in our movies
0: so for people that are younger than us and might not have grown up in the 80s she's m- mostly known for oh yeah people are going who the fuck is eileen brennan she was mostly known for two movies that we grew up with with clue that's a massive film for claire one of my favorite movies and um, Private Benjamin. Yeah, I'd say Private One Benjamin. One of my favourite movies. movies. Yeah, yeah, Private
1: Benjamin. Most people would know her from Private Benjamin. Yes. And then, yeah, obviously Clue fans, of which there are fewer, but we're very enthusiastic, obviously know her from that. She's done loads of other stuff as well. She was yeah. in Will & Grace on and off for a few series. She was a recurring guest yes, in Will & Grace.
0: She was. Um, so she's,
1: I guess, she's very well known to our demographic, I guess is what we're saying. 40-something, middle-aged.
0: Gay and faghags.
1: Gay and their uh, friends. Uh, <laughs> all know who Eileen Brennan is. Probably why she's in this movie. Yeah. Um, everyone else is like Eileen, who? who anyway, she's in this movie. She's incredible. Um, yes. one of the best things in this movie. Uh it's directed by Joe Pasquin, who uh also directed The Santa Claus, the original movie the Mm. santa claus um he did a lot of tv work he did home improvement he did uh quite a few Roseanne episodes in the 90s the movie was written by mark lawrence who also wrote miss congeniality so we've got continuity across both movies he also wrote two weeks notice um he also wrote did you hear about the morgans so it's it's all a kind of fairly similar genre of movies the credit for characters by is goes to mark lawrence and also kate ford and karen lucas the music is by John Van Tongeren, who also did music for Armageddon, Deep Impact, and Speed. Mm. Which wow. I know. I know. I was like, what? That's a bit of a weird combination to go that from. That is
0: odd.
1: It's Armageddon, Deep Impact, Speed, yes, you see that as a category of, yeah, I worked on the mm. music for all of those. And Miss Congeniality too. But I guess, you know, he's if he worked on Speed, he may be through the production company because Sandra Bullock was producer on both of these movies on *Miscongeniality* and *Miscongeniality Congeniality 2. Yes. So it could be that that's how he ended up with the connection. Now, in terms of the movie itself, this is where information is less forthcoming. Um, I do know that Sandra Bullock and Mark Lawrence originally had no intention to write a sequel. The, I think the, the first movie kind of wraps up Gracie's story quite well it leaves her in a really good place there's a nice little neat bow on it but while they were working together on two weeks notice they started joking about ideas for a potential miscongeniality sequel and Sandra Bullock said some of the ideas were not that far-fetched and I guess they kind of spitballed from there and ended up coming up with this idea For a movie, I think this might have been like a three AM discussion that led to this movie being agreed.
0: Well, there was a scene originally was supposed to be in the original movie that was based in Vegas, and they cut it due to cost, and then they just based the rest of this movie around it. They got I think that's what happened. I think they were like,
1: "Oh yeah, there was that idea we had. We never did that Vegas scene. Let's do that and turn it for the whole movie." movie,
0: And then go, "Yeah, how are we going to get there?" William Shatner's character could have an addiction with slots, so the mafia get involved. But let's not yeah. use a mafia. Let's use a mafia's hitmen. I was like,
1: why? Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of the the production of the film, um, when when she was promoting the movie, Sandra Bullock kind of said a few things about the kind of story she was trying to tell with this movie. She said, "I want women to be able to do the same thing that men get to do in comedies and say that's a comedy. Why does it always have to be a romantic comedy? Why does the girl have to end up with the guy? Why can't it be a buddy film?" So I think that's why, which I think is a really valid point and really good, particularly in the sort of early noughties, a good thing to be doing because movies did not work that way back then. This is the benefit, I suppose, of being the producer of the movie as well as the star of the movie. She's got herself into quite a powerful position in order Mm -hmm. that she can make these sorts of movies that represent characters in slightly different ways. So where in the first movie she did get the guy and it was... Very much a, a kind of action rom-com. Yeah. With this second movie, what we're getting is much more of a. It's a buddy movie, isn't it? Between her, with her and Regina King, it's a it is a love story, but it's a platonic love story. Yeah. The, they go they go on the same journey, I suppose, as she did with Benjamin Bratt's character in the first movie. It's just that it's a different kind of relationship that they're building. When she was talking about Regina King, Sandra Bullock said she, denied, she and I didn't even audition together. First, we sat down and had tea. And by the end of that 45 minute conversation, we realized we had so much in common. And I thought, my God, I love being around this woman, a cool chick who is isn't actressy. So she just put her in the movie. I think yeah. there was no kind of, process for that they just clicked she also commented sandra bullock that it is not so much a sequel but like the second half of a really big movie really i think she was kind of half joking because she then went on to say that anyone who turned up to the second movie with their receipt from the first movie could get in for free which sounds awfully like uh george clooney offering refunds to people who went and saw batman but anyway maybe it's not whatever (laughs) sorry to bring it up but i suppose in terms of gracie's story and in terms of the way because the movie picks up, this movie picks up almost immediately after the end of the first movie. Yeah. There's three weeks between, yeah. even though there's, the movies are set five years apart. There's three weeks in between the end of first movie and the beginning of the second movie. And then even when you have the time jump, that's only 10 months. So the the climax of the movie is set less than a year after the climax of the first movie. So mm. in that respect, it is one big story arc, but it's a it's quite a wavy one, I think, to...
0: For me, that's where the problem with this movie lies: is that they should have just jumped five years and kept her away from everything to the original, and maybe even have Benjamin Bratt's character non-existent. You know, and no, no one believes that. The whole opening with the whole. Well, this is the thing because if
1: given that you've not got Benjamin Bratt in the movie now, I don't know why Benjamin Bratt isn't in this movie. I can guess. I've got a few ideas about why Benjamin Bratt might not be in this movie. But this is where my internet research let me down because I've not been able to find anything where he or Sandra Bullock or anyone connected to the movie has officially said, Benjamin Bratt is not in the movie because. Now, what I do we do know is that he was making other movies around that time. In 2004, he had The Woodsman come out. He had Catwoman come out. In 2005, he had Thumbsucker come out. Now, I have to say, I've just named three movies. One of them, I don't mind the movie, but it, it it's not regarded as a great movie. The other yeah. two, I have not heard of. So it's not like he was turning down Miss Congeniality 2 in order to make yeah. a big blockbuster. Unlike Michael Caine, who in 2005 was in Batman Begins. So you can completely yeah. understand why Michael Caine. And also, as mentioned, Michael Caine is expensive. Yeah. Um. And so to have brought him back... Into the equivalent role because Joel's role is Joel's character is much larger. It takes up much more of the movie than Mm. Victor. Was it Victor his character in the first movie?
0: I think so. Um,
1: so he would have had a lot more screen time. So he would have had a lot more paycheck. And you know, he might have decided that he didn't want to. He just didn't want to do it. Maybe he didn't like the script. Maybe he wasn't offered it. We don't know. Well, I Um, have a similarly.
0: Go on. I I kind of like feel that maybe where Sandra Bullock wants to take this into a buddy movie. His character would be more of a cameo at the beginning to get the story going and maybe actually having the breakup, but not on the phone. And then he probably wanted a bigger paycheck for that. Because at the time, Benjamin Bratt, you mean? Yeah. Yes. Because, well, are we not talking about Benjamin Bratt?
1: Well, I was talking about Michael Caine as well.
0: Yeah. But but yes, I was
1: talking about Benjamin Bratt.
0: Because if you think about where this contract would have been lined up, the contracts of this film would have been lined up just as he's probably finished rapping Catwoman that we mm. didn't know were the box office bomb and a quite a disliked movie at the time of, before release. So the buzz of yes. Hollywood would have been like, here's this Catwoman movie, it's DC, yeah, it's going to be huge. And for he's sure. probably gone back to this production company for missing Congeneration and gone, I'm a lead in Catwoman. If you want me back on screen for five minutes, I want this money. And Thunderbrook's yeah. like, I've just spent forty-five million dollars renting out a boat in Vegas. I haven't got any money left, so you can either take the. Small yeah, they patient. shut down
1: an entire show in Vegas to film, so the the yeah. the pirate show that they've used in the movie is a real pirate show in Vegas. Yeah. They just went there and just shut it down for a while and filmed there. So yeah. yes, that will have cost them a few quid. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's probably exactly what happened because narratively, Benjamin Bratt can't be in the movie. Eric can't be yeah. a, a significant. Character in the story. If this is assuming that this is the script that they wanted it to be, assuming that they haven't had yeah. to do a, a hasty speed to shit. He doesn't want to be in the movie. Let's just get Regina King in, I, which I don't think it doesn't feel like. No, that it feels like this, like this is the movie they wanted to make. um And yeah, Eric doesn't fit into that storyline. So if he was in it, it would have been so early on. I felt like for that, such a short time
0: that breakup scene was supposed to be filmed in that apartment. And yes then he was like, over I the dinner do-
1: that she had made
0: yeah and then what happened was he didn't do it so it became a phone call yeah so i feel I think like you're right i feel like because it just felt so unnatural and unnecessary because the rest of the movie i think probably did happen like that he storms out after that dinner they have an argument he breaks up with her she goes to work and says he's moved to miami that all seems quite natural to me yeah
1: yes it, but he was not having him there made it feel like more of a deal than i think it actually was for yeah. me it was, he was so conspicuous in his absence because they talk about him so much. Mm. And actually, you're right. If they hadn't set it three weeks after the end of the other movie, they could have just let her life move on because we didn't finish Miss Congeniality thinking that they were endgame, that they were going to get yeah. mad. We, as far as I read that, as like this is her first boyfriend, essentially. Yeah,
0: because no, Because she's agree. never
1: made time for one before. So I don't think any of us were expecting that they were going to stay together and live happily ever after. Mm. But to then suddenly have three weeks later, he has completely eradicated. Vamooshed. Yeah. And we, we it, yeah, it was it was a little bit weird. It felt really clunky the way that they got around that, given that they, it was only by their decisions that they had to get around the issue. They could have set it a year. I mean, I suppose the thing is, if they set it more than a year later, Sheryl wouldn't have been Miss United States anymore.
0: No. But if they kept the opening bank theme, where that person got shot, where he, her mm-hmm. colleague got shot. Kept that because I think that works fine. It kind of like redoes the opening of the original movie. What well, is fun? Yes. But instead of them breaking up, if you're going to go down that dark road of having our heart broken after three weeks, why just not get Kill Him in action? So she's mourning. So yeah. why not? That would make more sense why she decides to go on this thing and have security. Because she feels responsible for his death as well, but you know, yeah. And then- Although
1: I, 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 like the fact that her her journey. I mean, I don't like it because it doesn't make sense. Because in in the yeah. first movie, she felt no need for a man anyway. But her journey in this movie is to move away from feeling the need for a man to to feeling like she doesn't need to have that man in her life. But that would I think still if it had been a death.
0: I think it worked for five I think the if day. it was
1: a day, de- it would be about getting over him rather than a rather than finding herself, if you see what i mean, I think it would be slightly different. But equally they could he could have broken up after the ten months. Yeah. We did this huge 10 month leap. It could have the breakup could have happened at any point in those ten months. It didn't have to be three weeks mm-hmm. after I don't know. It just felt really weird.
0: Yeah. It felt um, like they had a subject to deal with. Let's just deal with it. And then move on, but they didn't really move on because, like, what's that podcast you really like? The Bechtel Cast. Yeah, like this would be quite an interesting topic for them because they how would they discuss this? Because her character is so strong, but then she keeps going back to talk about him, like even yes. later on the they movie. Would... So yeah, how yeah, would yeah. They I mean, that? this
1: is the thing, and it doesn't make sense because yeah. it the. In the first movie, she's so independent. She's so unreliant on men. She she almost laughs at the idea of getting involved with him. Even when they're getting together at the very end, she's yeah. making jokes about it. You wanna she's kiss so laid back. me?
0: You yeah, wanna yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then suddenly, three weeks later, he's breaking up with her because things are moving too fast, which makes no sense because three weeks into a relationship with Gracie Hart, you are not moving too
0: fast. like She was putting a ready mill in the microwave and cracking open a. Bud light. That's not moving too fast. No. No. So it, it
1: it just didn't make sense. And so then it it pushed her character into a into a place that we it she'd never been before, of yeah. being dependent on this man or feeling lost without him, which made no sense to me. We're yeah. kind of skipping ahead onto the movie now, which is fine because we've basically got through all of the information I have about production. That's it. That's all there is. But yeah, I found it really frustrating the, the yeah. way that Because in order to to give her character a journey, her journey was so complete in the first movie. And so in order to give her a journey for the second movie, they had to break her and they had to send her off in this weird direction of A, being absolutely heartbroken over a guy she'd been with for less than a month, which makes no sense with what we know of her character from the first movie. And Mm -hmm. then B, turning into this plastic for want of a better word. It's like Mean Girls. It's too much of a change. And they kind of pushed her. Exactly, exactly. The whole point in the first movie is that she goes into it thinking that she's got everything sorted. She knows what's what. She knows herself. She's very judgmental of other people who are not like her. She Mm. learns that that's not the way to be thinking. She learns that there's more to the whole pageant experience than airheads in swimsuits wanting world peace. Yeah. And then yet suddenly by the by 10 minutes into the sequel, she's this overpolished bitch, yep. I guess, who is not the character that we saw in the first movie. And it, it's and they have to do that to her because she has to have a journey. She ended the first movie in a really good place. And so you can't there is no like this. We learned this from the Sex and the City movies. Once you've got your characters to their happy ever after, you need to leave them the hell alone. Yeah. Because the only way to continue the story is to fuck things up for them. And we don't want that for people that, the characters that we like. So it was, it, it struck me as a bit of a weird journey for her. In terms of things that we like in this movie, though, because I feel like we've done quite a lot of bashing, how, where's the appeal for you? What, how do you feel about this movie?
0: Well, we're covering this for Pride Month because we, we try to look for sequels. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Um, we try to look for sequels that could represent all the community. And it's gay people aren't quite represented in a lot of sequels or in big Hollywood movies that have sequels. Well, back then, not. It is a movie that really represents the gaming community quite well. Like, it takes on the persona of drag and stuff, and Sandra Brooks Mm -hmm. is a massive champion for drag. And that's the reason why she really wants to put it in this movie. I think she catches Vegas quite well. I just, just, like, the gay PA... We can discuss him about things I don't really like. He does a good enough job. Dolly Parton's in it. Like, I would go watch it. Yeah, big tick for that. If Dolly Parton was opening an envelope online, I'll tune in and watch it. You know, I just have no concerns in my life that I love Dolly Mm. Parton. So I think Dolly in it is a great little cameo. I do, it's one of those weird things where I can appreciate that it's not a great movie, but seeing Sandra Bullock play Gracie Hart, I find quite comforting. Yeah, And going back and watching the original movie this week to watch the sequel for the podcast, Mm. I also realised the original was not such a great movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, we talked about this. I have quite fond memories of this movie. And, yeah, you go back and you watch it again now. I think context is the thing because the first movie came out in 2000 and the world... It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it the world was a very different place, particularly in terms yeah. of queer representation in the media back then. And so I, we watch it now and we both said, oh, that was more uncomfortable than I remember it being oh, to time. watch that movie. And I think at the time it wasn't because the, the movie was trying, it was trying to do something. And it was trying to to have some representation. And then you look back now and it. I think it's just a thing about the 2000s. We have talked about this in terms of um, visual effects in movies in the thousands. Everyone just thought they were doing so well in the 2000s. We were, and here we are, 20 years later, going, "Oh, we we knew nothing.
0: Yeah. We knew
1: nothing. That was a big sack of shit." And so the things in that first movie, and I think to an extent in the sequel, that that were attempts at representation, that yeah. were were trying to be ally shit don't quite hit the mark in the way that we would want them to if those movies were being made now.
0: Yeah, no. And in a way, I think this one does a better job than the original does because having Michael play, Michael Caine, play that gay character, he does it a bit more subtle than the guy in the sequel. But overall, Mm -hmm. I think the sequel has representation a lot better than the original movie. Uh, I like the motto of this one at the end, far more than I like the motto of the original one. You know, Mm because all she seems to learn is, She gets a hunky boyfriend and she learns that all bimbos aren't bimbos. But in Mm. this one, it's about friendship and not needing a man and being a strong, independent woman. What I think is a lot better story than the fact of, you know, it's a bit weird when you talk about this as a um, buddy movie, because I feel like after she made this and it was kind of like a box office bomb for her. We didn't flop, it just didn't make what the original made and it had got yeah. particularly panned. She went on a couple of years later, or ten years later, I think it was to make The Heat with Melissa McCarthy. Yes. What is basically this movie, but better. It's a better buddy female movie with yes. hard nut rough cop and the good cop. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same. And I felt like The Heat is miscongeniality too that I really wanted from the Gracie Hart point of view so in my mind when I watch The Heat in my mind that's just miscongeniality free to be honest with you I just go this is like, <laughs> it basically the same movie but yeah, yeah, yeah. Bella. but yeah. what did you like that's about it that's a good it?
1: point well there were things I liked I like like you I like the the fact that we're moving Gracie away from the romantic storyline for me that felt forced in the first movie it did yeah. feel like they were like we have told her story but she doesn't have a boyfriend so we can't end the movie yet yeah so they we have to buddy her up we have to pair her up romantically with Benjamin Bratt and I do I appreciate that they tried to kind of sow that seed from early on. It's not like it was a suddenly like when she takes off her glasses and lets down her hair and he's like, oh, my God, you were hot the whole time. He he is interested in her from the start. You can see that they've got a chemistry yeah. from the start. But it just it it was a shame for me that that ended up being the focus for her character. So I liked in the sequel that they moved away from that, that it became about her relationship with herself and her ability to interact with other women because she does have that whole scene in the first movie where she was like I don't do girl talk I can't talk to girls yeah you know I can't she takes out her earpiece and says I can't do girl talk with guys in my ear I can't even do girl talk with myself in my head she has to kind of find a persona to achieve that so you know by the end of this movie she's got her friendship with Cheryl that she's maintained all the way through although it's not that you know, it's it's a relationship they that don't... she doesn't tell great. She doesn't tell Cheryl that she broke up with her boyfriend 10 months ago. So they're yeah. not. And they don't close. have enough
0: time on screen together for you to believe they're as close as they.
1: Yeah, you out. don't. Their rapport is not there as much as it was in the first movie. But yeah. her rapport with Regina King, I think their chemistry together is fantastic. Oh, it's I think amazing. Regina King is brilliant in the movie. I think they both work really well together. So I really like that bit of the the story arc. I think that really hmm. works for me. In terms of other things, I I do I like the um I like the
0: drag scene, the drag yeah. the drag club scene. Especially that we I covered like... it, it's Tina Turner orientated and we watched it. I know, then I know. So
1: when we're recording this, this is just a few days after Tina Turner died. So we'd actually both done our rewatch and made our notes and then we were like Oh and but oh and she oh, died and, and now we were a bit like oh but so this is our kind of Tina Turner tribute episode
0: I don't think we should call it that Claire I think Tina Turner fell No, will hunt no us we down. won't bill it as that we <laughs> won't bill it as that I think she
1: deserves probably more than this but yeah. but yeah so um I liked the the scenes in the drag club for the most part in terms of the the queer representation now obviously I I don't feel quite as qualified to comment as you being resident straight person, yes. um, but obviously, you know, I've, I feel like I've been an honorary member of the community for most of my life. So I, I don't feel like I can't speak, but obviously my angle is different to yours because this is not necessarily my lived experience. Yes, um, I found that the, obviously I don't think either of these movies is setting out to be a queer movie No, a one. So I don't think we should be necessarily holding it up to that standard and with that in mind i think it's great that both movies have kind of had that representation although i think it's a shame that neither of them were particularly explicit we had a couple of explicitly queer characters in the first movie in miss new york and her girlfriend yes um towards the end and then there are I mean, even Michael's Cain, Michael Caine's character isn't explicitly gay. It's heavily implied that he's gay. And then there's the assistant director in the the TV gallery who, when the guy says to her, are we allowed to say lesbian on TV? And she's like, what, have you got a problem with that? So the implication there is also <laughs> that she is gay. Yeah. In this movie, I, w- I was quite surprised in the sequel. No other than in the drag club where obviously it's, there are explicitly queer characters because we see drag queens on stage, but yeah. other than the drag queens, there are no explicitly gay characters in this movie. But Joel gay-ness... is heavily implied to be gay. Yes, but there is there there is not a single line in the movie that actually confirms that he's gay. Obviously, that I mean, it, to an extent, it's irrelevant. But they are playing up the camp and the flamboyant. Yeah in that character. And I, so it's a shame that they don't round that out with a little bit of something, of a reference to a boyfriend
0: or a... Yeah, I would have and liked it... it for the FBI agent, the male one that's kind of like, has this weird, unnecessary storyline with the other female FBI agent who's then copping off with the boss. If that character actually got together with him I, at the end. having
1: not watched this movie for a really long time i had forgotten how it ended completely for everyone and i was half expecting for the first half of the movie i was expecting that character to turn out to be gay yeah i that that whole thing with his girlfriend felt very much like um beard my girlfriend in canada yeah that like, you know what I mean, where he has this whole oh well, it's a good thing my girlfriend isn't here. I love or my what, girlfriend. I have her fo- yeah. photo I love her my... so much. Her photo's here. I don't go anywhere without a photo of my girlfriend. Yeah. And it did feel very fake girlfriendy. And I I was expecting him to be out by the end of the movie. And maybe it's a shame they didn't, because it, it obviously by the end he's it's looking very much like they're gonna pair him off with uh Miss United States. But maybe I maybe it would have been lovely if they paired him off with Joel. That would have been really cute. Yeah, I think I think so. um, I can see that the movie is trying yes. with the representation. There are some really cheap gags in it that I just made me go, oh, really? Like when um, William Shatner's character says, oh, there's a cannon in my porthole. I was like, mm, really? We that's that's the line? His character felt much camper to me in yeah, this movie did. than in the original. I, what,
0: what, going back and watching, in my mind before watching the, re-watching this for the podcast, I actually thought, thought that his character was gay in the sequel. Yeah. And then, I,
1: I put that in my notes. I didn't yeah. think I didn't find that in, in him in the first movie. Nice. And there's a thing where he talks about he references having watched the uh, porn movie that Miss New Jersey had been in. Yeah. So which kind of suggests that he watches straight porn, which kind of suggests that he would be straight. Um, but yeah, in the second movie, I was like, is he gay now? But did he and not they don't mention, say
0: explicitly either way, but but doesn't he say at one point that a close friend has a male close friend has died just randomly, and then de- my husband was watching it with me, he's remember. like, and he went, is that Michael Caine's character? And I went, no, I don't think so, because that would be really weird just to shove that off the cuff remark, and it's a little bit weird. I I I think the film tries to be something, and maybe the studio didn't allow it at the time.
1: Well, this is the thing because again, we're in the mid-noughties, and it's that thing of. So I was I was thinking about this because in the mid 90s was when we were watching things on TV. Do you remember American audiences I'm I'm guessing may not have heard of this but in the UK there was a reality show called there's something about Miriam. Do you remember this? You're looking no. at me a bit blankly. It's a bit like The Bachelorette. I think it was on like Channel 4 or something or maybe Channel 5. It was a bit like The Bachelorette. These guys were all competing and the the prize at the end of the reality show was a date with Miriam or whatever her name was. It was something like Miriam. And they got to the end and Miriam chose her guy that she wanted to go on a date with. And that was the point at which they revealed to everyone involved in the show that Miriam was trans. Oh. And it was almost treated as a punchline. And certainly the contestants who had applied to date her had not been aware that she was trans when they applied, so there was a huge controversy about the fact of them having been brought into this show kind of under false pretenses. And actually, yeah. was it okay to to treat her 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 trans status as a gimmick
0: as a for the show? Girl,
1: yeah. And this is so. This is what was happening on TV in the 2000s it wasn't just that I mean we you know we had um trans winner of Eurovision in the 2000s we had a trans winner of Big Brother in the UK in the 2000s so it's not like it was a hostile place yeah for for queer representation on TV but at the same time it, it was still very much um something that you could joke about and that you could that straight guys could make jokes about if that makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah no no I
0: no. don't um
1: and that whole kind of backs to the wall kind of thing. And so I felt like it was it was a shame that there were a couple of lines in there. Like there's a line where Janet says to to Joel about you, you need to tell us what what you know otherwise you're going to end up in prison and he's like, "Hmm, which prison?" It's like, yeah. Hmm. That's that's a bit of a cheap joke. Yeah. But it was the 2000s and it's,
0: it's not is, okay. Is, It's that whole kind of like, though I grew up with it, and I don't mind, I didn't mind it back then, and I find it quite awkward now, is when you watch things like, are you being served, or you're watching like Mannequin, where the gay Mm -hmm. character has to be the joke, like the gay person, when they've got nothing else to write, the gay person has to come out and write, make that corny sexual remark going... And gay straight people are comfortable with gay people as long as we're the punchline.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, there, there is definitely an element of that. Joel is very much comic relief. Yeah. In this movie, and we see other movies from the same period where that's the case as well. And it it is that thing. And again, it, it's not my place to say, but is it better to have that and be represented, or is it better to not be represented? I don't know. Well, I What's think your take this on movie, that?
0: Well, I don't. In this movie, I don't mind so much because the straight. Men in this movie are portrayed badly as well because they're either oh, yeah, sexist for sure. pigs or they're just really wet around the... Yes. Where they're really kind of... Like, they're not strong characters. There is no... Yeah. like By moving the um, Benjamin Bratt character from this movie, all the other men... Because he was a strong male in the first... He was like yeah. a hunky cop. But even the male cops in this one, they're all a bit weak. Yes. There's nobody... And to
1: be fair, Joel does get that wonderful line where the girls are going on about needing to get tampons because they want to go off and have a little side chat about something. And all the blokes get all a bit like, oh, oh, don't know what to do. Girls need tampons. They're talking about tampons, don't know what to do. Yeah. And Joel gets that wonderful line of, okay, well, I guess we need a real man to deal with this situation. And he goes off and, and obviously the whole tampon thing is a ruse anyway. Yeah. But it, yeah, they they do send up the other guys as well. So mm. I guess you, you've you got a bit of balance there.
0: But Claire, what did, didn't you like about this movie?
1: So, I don't like, well, staying on the kind of queer element briefly then, what I don't like is that there are no queer people in this movie. No. (laughs) Apart from the drag queens who appear as drag queens. I presume they're drag queens appearing as drag queens. I'm hoping they didn't go out and just hire a load of random cis-het guys to play drag queens. I'm assuming they got legit drag queens to play the drag queens. Because the performances that we see... I'm assuming they are seasoned drag queens. I presume they're probably the ones that work in Vegas
0: yeah.
1: um, on those shows. But with the exception of those characters, those actors, so I'm talking about the the real people now, not the characters in the movie.
0: Mm.
1: There is there is no queer representation in this movie. Yeah. Everyone, and I, I checked it. I mean, I haven't gone through every single cast member, but in terms of primary cast and in terms of the main creative team, everyone, as far as I can tell, is cis hair, which I, is not an issue except that it... it if you're casting gay characters and there's a whole conversation now about you know should get should straight actors play gay characters and I'm not saying that straight actors shouldn't play gay characters yeah but I'm saying that if if that's such an aspect of your movie maybe you should at least have someone involved in the production Mm. that has some kind of experience outside of the heterosexual world See, for me, it
0: it depends what kind of gay character you're going to play. So if you want a gay character that's like Brokeback Mountain, say, where it's kind of like heteronormative, straight acting, and Mm -hmm. being gay is just a part of the storyline, but it's not a main character development, then get a straight actor to play it. But if you want to go down that campy route that Joel does in this movie, then get a gay guy. It's less offensive when a gay guy the impersonation of another gay guy that's over flamboyant? yes
1: yeah I mean that part in particular I would have liked to have seen a gay actor in yeah. that role I agree I
0: and agree. I think
1: it's a shame that and also in the first movie obviously we talked about this before recording after we'd watched the first movie both of us and we mm. talked about it with Michael Caine as well and the fact that obviously he's not a gay man playing a presumably gay character in the first movie but There in 2000, we were trying to think how many middle-aged out gay actors were there in Hollywood who would have the kind of clout to be in a movie that having Michael Caine would bring. So we kind of gave them a bit of a pass on that. But in this movie, it's not a particularly well-known actor. It's not like he's a name that's going to be bringing people to watch the movie. And it's a young character and that there are any number of people who could have played, you know, Neil Patrick yeah. Harris could have played that part. I was
0: thinking like it was in Sean Hayes. It was in the height of Will and Grace. Sean Hayes. Will could and have Grace played... Yes, men. and he
1: was a name. I mean, he was maybe yeah. busy because he was, you know, that was the height of Will and Grace, wasn't it? But there were any number of actors who yeah. could have played this part and it it would have been maybe a bit more authentic. And it, this isn't me slagging off his performance in the role at all, but mm. it, it it's a shame that they didn't sit down and consciously make a casting decision that would have reflected the community a bit more in terms of other things moving away from that aspect of the movie it just feels like a really unnecessary sequel i just feel like if you have to break the main character in order to rebuild her in order mm. to have a storyline for your movie yeah it's an unnecessary movie
0: yeah
1: and i think the the things that i enjoy about the movie are not necessarily good enough to justify that weird journey that they have to take Gracie on in order to provide a narrative for the film.
0: Yeah, I feel differently because I actually kind of like prefer her journey in this one than the journey in the first one. Because in the first one, you are like, oh, you're dowdy and you're rough and you're unattractive. Let's make you pretty. Oh, and yeah, you yeah, find yeah. That whole way.
1: ugly duckling thing is shit.
0: I don't like that. And at least this one... She used that identity that she was given in the first one to hide behind her emotion for this one. Like, she became the arsehole because she thought that's what people preferred from her. Then, yeah, okay. The ugly version that she felt like... I think in her mindset, what they didn't really look into, into this movie was, I think in her mindset, Benjamin Bratt fell in love with the attractive side of her as Miss Congeniality. And mm-hmm. then when she started to slip back into normality of her own life, and being the original Gracie Hart, he felt fell out of love with her because he wasn't attracted to this ready meal beer drinking woman mm. that he actually was. So he was in love with the fake version of her. So she basically just took that version of herself and became the yeah. pretty version because she felt that's what everybody preferred from her than her being her true self. And by the end of the movie, her and her buddy became close for being her true self and didn't need a man or anything. I also like in this movie, I've got to mention before, I loved when they go into the old people's home and then she's undercover. I would love to have seen more of that. I would love to see <laughs> like a Mission yeah. Impossible kind of disguise element when she was, I thought that was great. And I thought they could have really lent into that a little bit more and get her to do a bit more character, you know, acting in it. I one, think
1: that's the thing is that we don't see the best of Sandra Bullock in this movie.
0: I would like, you know, one day I would like to see a Miss Congeniality maybe not free in the title, but another adventure with Gracie Hart where she could actually do something she'd actually want to do, like on Netflix. Um, Yeah. yeah. Netflix movie would work really well for it. Uh, One thing I, well, I'm
1: sorry to say she has already gone on record as saying that's not going to happen when she was promoting lost city a couple of years ago. She said, no, she wouldn't be interested in doing a third movie. She, she herself said that the second movie shouldn't have happened. She's glad that they made it because of getting to work with Regina King.
0: Um,
1: but other than that, it shouldn't. She should. It shouldn't have happened. Um, yeah. She feels quite similarly to this as she does about Speed Two.
0: Yeah, I don't think you'll find Sandra Bullock in a sequel ever again. I think she's kind of closed no. that door. My main gripe with this movie is: so in the original movie, you had all these girls in the beauty contest that formed a relationship with Gracie, and they had these yeah. kind of like they were like supporting characters. They didn't have their own storylines. They didn't have their own. What was going on in their background, they were just going on the mm-hmm. journey with Gracie Hart. In this one, they tried to insert all these sub-characters, but then try giving them their own storylines, What drove me bonkers, because they were just huge-horned yeah. in there, taking you away from the plot. Like, you had the two guys that would kidnapped them, who were so well-acted, what the... Karen Foreman and Grace's husband... Got an example, Nick Offerman. He played one of them. So you got their storyline with William Shatner and Miss America... And then you've got the love interest of the FBI agent and the FBI agent's girlfriend dating her boss and I want him being an asshole. Then you've got the buddy movie going on as well. And then you've got the gay characters just shoehorned in there. And they're all trying to have these interacting storylines away from Gracie Hart's story. And I was like, why? They don't yeah. need this. We don't need to know about the girlfriend having an affair with her boss. We, It's completely irrelevant. Like they shoehorned in. The, and developed these two, the makeup artist and the hairstylist Gave these people a lot of screen time for such a minor role
1: Oh yeah, and then they just disappeared halfway through the movie
0: And then towards the end of the halfway through the movie When they got set on the plane, the FBI agent goes I Can't get you on the same plane, you'll have to get the plane afterwards And then the hairdresser goes to the beautician Oh, our plane's not for five hours, do you want to go to the bar for five hours? And they go, yeah, and that's the last time we see them Yeah, <laughs> I, I forgot,
1: like, I completely forgot about them until you just mentioned them. I was like, oh, yeah, they were in all of the first half of the movie. Yeah. And then they just. And given quite a lot of character development. They got Frenchied,
0: didn't they? Yeah. There they was like, a Grease 2
1: reference there for you. Well done, Claire. Um, <laughs>
0: um, yeah. And I just a bit kind of like, that's how you've got rid of these two people that you've given all this screen time to. Okay, we'll go to the bar for five hours, not to be seen again. I'm yeah. like, why? Why give yeah. them that screen time in the first place? Like, why couldn't um, the Michael Kane gay PA be doing her hair and makeup and just cut them two out of it? Yeah, because yeah. he did. Hair a, and you're makeup right. There's but, a lot going the drag on. part. Like the, he he did the. He even made a comment about doing her hair and makeup for the drag scene. So why has he got his oh, own yeah. team anyway? So I was a bit like, what? I don't understand what's going on. Why were yeah. they there? That Too much really going
1: fun. on. Not enough. Sandra Bullock is the
0: crux you of your issue. Did you notice I guess. one of my favorite actresses of all time plays a cameo in this but she was not known while making this movie did you spot someone who you might have who's always been quite famous in my eyes but she plays this teeny weeny cameo because that's what she used to do back then she used to do cameo work in the early noughties and now she's an oscar-winning actress did you see her did you see her
1: no you've lost me
0: Octavia Spencer.
1: Oh, yes. Octavia Spencer's in this movie. Yes. Yeah, she 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 gets her book signed at the beginning, doesn't she? And uses her own name. Yes, yes. That was, I mean, I'm not sure if it counts as a cameo when you're not famous yet. But yeah, looking back, that's a nice little like, oh, there's Octavia Spencer little moment. I
0: see her pop up in so many movies from that period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like from the 90s to the noughties, she pops up in movies and you're like, oh my God, you've been around forever. And you can tell by when you see that, you can see that people have grafted for their job because a lot of people just get their big breakout movie like Sandra Bullock did with Speed. But she wasn't in like 50 movies beforehand. Like Octavia's done more cameo work than she has been a big hit. Like The Help was her big launch pad. What was not not far off of this movie. So having her do these little cameos was really really quite a big thing one thing i do want to ask why the fuck has no one done miscongeniality the musical watching that original movie i was like
1: considering the shit that they will make into musicals
0: yeah But like like like, there is shit they're making music. Miscongeniality could lean into. I was like, but you'd have
1: to you'd have to try and find a way of mixing the two movies because if you're going to do Miscongeniality the musical, surely you need the drag queen
0: finale. Well, no, because you could just insert a drag queen undercover in Miscongeniality.
1: Yeah, I, but I think I'm guessing was... someone's probably tried And Sandra Bullock has probably said no So Claire <laughs> Yes
0: How many Because it's Pride Month How many drag queens Would you give Miss Congeniality to Armed and
1: Fabulous Well if it was drag queens I would just surround myself with them Because they are indeed fabulous But uh, in the context of scoring this movie I guess I'll take one for each arm Two out of five For
0: Aww. this
1: movie A beautiful drag queen on either side of me I think it... <laughs> It's a completely unnecessary movie. It yeah. doesn't need to exist. It doesn't add anything to Gracie Hart's world apart from Regina King. Yes. And so basically the it's entirety so of my two out of five, like there's maybe like half a point for Dolly Parton and one and a half for Regina King. Yeah. And that's that's basically
0: it. So what would you give, now we're on the subject, now going, because we've talked about revisiting the original movie, what would you give that out of five?
1: At the time, I would probably have scored it about a four, yeah, I think now, I would take that down to maybe a three, three and a half. I do still think it I think the original is a good movie. I yeah. enjoyed watching it again. I certainly enjoyed it more than I enjoyed than I enjoyed watching the sequel, so it would certainly still score it higher than the sequel. Mm. um yeah, maybe three, three and a half now. How about yeah. you what, what for for the sequel, what would you score?
0: I would give it two and a half. You know, like, I realise it's a bad movie. I appreciate mm. it. But I do enjoy seeing Sandra Bullock on screen. I enjoy watching seeing her be Gracie Hart. Um, I do think it's a fun romp. You know, I can turn off my brain and let it go over my head. Yeah. I don't think it's a an offensive movie compared to some other movies out there to deal with kind of like the community and stuff. But I do, I enjoy it. It's fun. I think it's a good fun. The original, I'd probably give that. I was disappointed watching the original. I actually don't think there's much of a variance in them anymore. So I would give the original like a three. And this is mm. two and a half. Because I okay. think, you know, I do like the fact that we get to spend more time. I feel like we get to spend more time with Gracie Hart in the sequel than we do in the original.
1: Do you?
0: Yeah. Because I feel like she's she's a vehicle In the first one to kind of like yeah. Get from A to B While in this one There's not really much of an A to B So you're a bit more <laughs> with the character So kind of like getting to see her With her Making her buddy movie And then going out there And kind of like you know Getting to express Be a bit more emotionally driven Than she was in the first mm. one
1: Fair enough so that's Miss Congeniality 2 armed and fabulous for you listeners please take a moment to rate us and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes and tell us what you thought of the movie you can leave us a comment you can email us on unlovedsequels at gmail.com and you can find us on all the socials at
0: unlovedsequels so it's goodbye from me Michael
1: and from me Claire take care guys
0: Prestige Assisted Living. How can I help you? Hi, I'm Joel Flammenbaum, and this is my mother.
1: Ida. Ida Flammenbaum. How are you? This is my lovely nurse, Rosie. Hello. She's not very social, but she gives us a superb enema if you're feeling a little clogged up.